Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Praise the Lord. We're coming to you from our summit room here, uh, classroom here off the edge of the auditorium. Uh, our young people are having a, a night in the auditorium, and we're thankful for that. We're thankful that God is with them and that he's using our, our uh, church building to minister to them. Amen. So tonight we're going to be here. Well, praise the Lord, Pineview. Praise the Lord, guests. We're so glad you're here. We're talking about salvation for all. Can we say it together? Salvation, salvation for all. all. It's very important tonight that we uh, focus in. If you have not been watching this uh, conversation course about salvation for all, about what Jesus says, what the Bible says about our salvation, well, you need to go back and watch those. Um, and pretty soon they will be a part or a, on a, a broadcast, on podcast rather, um, that you'll see coming very soon. This whole series will be on a podcast. You can go back and listen to it while you're at work. And are driving down the road. So I'm, I'm getting excited Amen. about that. Amen? Amen. So we're excited. So let's dive right into the Word of the Lord. Last week we, we uh, kind of uh, went off track for just a moment talking about what the Lord wants us to learn. Uh, about what the Lord says about uh, the entirety of our salvation experience. And you can go back and watch that. Tonight we're going to enter in and talk to us about... Baptism. Everybody say baptism. Baptism. How many are thankful that you are, have the opportunity to be baptized like Jesus was baptized? Amen? Amen. For the remission of our sins. Such an important factor. Let's go to Acts 16 20. We've been reading that on a weekly basis. Let's talk about that. The Bible says in Acts 16 and verse 30, and he sought them. Remember, this is who? This is the apostles. This is the apostle Paul and, and Paul and Silas. They're in jail. The earthquake comes after they worship God. And, of course, we know the jailer thought they'd all escaped. And he was like, I'm fixing to take my life because that's what the government's going to do to me. I'm going to get it over with. And Paul comes out and says, hey, stop. Don't do that. We're all here. And after they witnessed to him, the Bible says, and he brought them out, the jailer brought the disciples out and said to them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? So every week we've been talking about the must of salvation. We must do some things in order to be saved. We as humans don't like to be told what to do. Am I right? Someone say amen. <laughs> we like to have our options. We like to assess things ourselves. And you've got to recognize in God's word that there are precepts that are unchanging, no matter what the weather is, what the culture is, what time frame we're living in, no matter what year it is, if it's 3029, it's still the word of God, it's still going to say mm -hmm. and mean and be the same thing. So let's say amen. amen. So we don't have options here when it comes to, if we want to be saved, right? If we want to go to heaven, how many want to go to heaven? Amen. How many want to see Jesus? Amen? amen. There's some must that must happen in our life. There's some must things, doing things that God requires of us in order to salvation. Last week we talked about how that the culmination of Acts 2.38 is one, is one uh, paragraph, it is one verse, but we know that Jesus took three and a half years to talk to his disciples about salvation, and then he told them to repent, and then later he told them to repent and be baptized. So we find in Acts 16 and 30 that, that he asked, what must I do to be saved? So let's go very quickly through the do's. All right. We know that we must have faith. There must have faith. 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 So, so we must believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Amen? Amen. We must believe that he died, that he what? Was buried and that he rose again. We're fixing to celebrate Good Friday, Easter, Palm Sunday, all those things. And that's the celebration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
we find that the gospel is the power of God unto what? Salvation. Salvation. So we know the gospel and believing the gospel is an absolute. We find that we must repent. Someone say repent. repent. You've got to repent. You've got to be sorry for your sins. You can't continue in sin that grace may abound. You must repent. And then it says be baptized in Jesus' name. How many know you've got to be baptized? Amen. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So there are some things that you, you've got to ask yourself um, about baptism. Um, and uh, I want to define baptism real quickly here. Let's look at the definition of baptism from just a very simplistic. Um, it's a noun. It's used in a sentence uh, that would be include uh, being baptized, or I want to be baptized, or they were baptized. But it's baptisma, or it consists of the process of, of immersion. It means to be immersed. It means to be submerged. It means to, to uh, have a dip, to be dipped down. If you read the scriptures, when Jesus was baptized, it says, and him coming up out of the water. He was buried, and coming out of the water, uh, the Father said, I am well pleased. The dove came. The Holy Spirit ascended. So you can see that we want to be like Jesus. We want to follow the example of Jesus. In so doing, we must be baptized, and that baptism is not a sprinkling. It is a burial. Everybody shout burial. And in that burial, you are being buried with him. We'll read about that uh, from Paul's writings, how that we are buried with him in baptism, that we die to our flesh, that we're raised newness of life. So baptism is not just something we do to make sure everybody knows we're a Christian. Um, right. That's not why we do it. Right. Someone say amen. amen. We don't do it so that everybody knows I'm a Christian. We don't do it to profess I'm a Christian or I have faith. That's not why we were baptized. There's only one reason that we're baptized, and we're going to talk about that. The questions, there are four questions I want you to ask yourself tonight about baptism. And that is, is it a command, right? Is it a command? Can you say it with me? Is, is it, it a, a command? command? So we're going to discover that in the scripture. Second thing is, what is the mode of? What is, how am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be sprinkled? Am I supposed to be immersed? Am I supposed to be uh, all those modes of, uh, of baptism? And that's very important, right? Because again, we're following scripture. We're obeying a command. And also, of course, thirdly, what is the formula? There is a formula by which we are baptized. And so we're going to discuss that formula. Just like there's a formula for, I talked about what uh, apple pie, right? You, you miss one of the ingredients, you miss the whole formula, and it's no good. You've got to have the completion of what Jesus says in the book, the Word of God, to receive the correct formula. And we're going to talk about that. And then finally, what does it do for me? This is the big one, right? What does being baptized do for me? Um, I have so many people ask that. So let's look at Matthew. Matthew 28 and 18 and through 20. Now, this is a very important passage because it is Jesus speaking. It is him talking to us. As he is leaving us, this is at the end of Matthew. Uh, this is after the crucifixion. This is here at this point of, of, uh, of finding ourselves at the cross, finding ourselves in all these places of understanding. And this is what he says. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been what? Given to me. Where? In heaven and on earth. Right? And then he says these things. He says what? Go therefore. Everybody say go therefore. Go therefore. So, that word therefore means to, now I want you to review what I just said, and because of that, I want you to do something else. So therefore is a word that is, is an in-between word. It tells us what to anticipate. Therefore, I have all authority, so you ought to. Therefore, he says go, everybody shout go, go. and make disciples of all nations. Everybody say all nations. All nations. That's why love your neighbor as yourself is so important. 
love your neighbor as yourself. Your neighbor is all nations. That's why we at Pineview believe so strongly that it's every color, every kind, every creed, every nation, every tongue, right? Right. And that's who we're called to uh, go to. And that's who we've got to focus on going to. Someone say amen. Amen. So he says, go, therefore. So it's a command. If my wife says, go to the store and get me some milk, I don't think it's a suggestion. I don't assume that it's just something that she might want me to do. No, she's telling me what she wants. She's telling me, go. I need milk. Go to the store and get milk. When you tell your children, you know, go, go here or go there, um, it's the same being true. I tell my dog, go or sit or stay or come. There is a command in my voice. Jesus has a command in his voice when he says, go, therefore, and make disciples. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Of all the nations. And then he says this. How how am I going to make disciples? Well, first of all, we're going to baptizing them. Right? Everybody say baptizing them. So we know that the command of Jesus himself was to follow his example in baptism. We don't or are not baptized because it's what we think or what we want others to think about us through baptism. We do it because Jesus commanded it. And he said to do it. He said baptizing them in the name. Of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, right, to observe all things that I have commanded. How so? What do we know from this? We know that He has all authority, right? So whatever He says is truth. Whatever He says has got to go because He has all the authority to say it. He has all the ability. Everything is in Him, right? right. So we know that. And then He says, "I want you, to, you, uh, because of that authority." Right? I want you to go because you're now my disciple. You're going to be filled with my spirit. You're now my uh, 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 ambassador in the world. Right? So he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So we know disciple making is what Jesus told us to do. Right. And how do I make a disciple? Well, I'm baptizing them. I'm baptizing them in a formula in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What's the name? Jesus. There's only one name here. Father is not a name, Son is not a name, Holy Spirit is not a name. They are are manifestations, they are titles, right? And so when we see and look at this, we can know very quickly that we are supposed to baptize in the name. Not names, not, there's, there's, if you study the Greek and Hebrew and study till yourself is blue, you're going to find that that word name is singular in not only the English language, but in the Greek as well. And you'll see that that is what it's referred to. What is the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost? Well, we're going to discover that, right? Matter of fact, next week we're going to talk about the name, and you're going to—I'm uh, going to uh, tie Brother Carl up and, and 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 not let him speak during that one. <laughs> and he says this: "What teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you." Now you notice I underlined "commanded you," right? This is a command. Amen. Go therefore is a command. It's—it's—he puts it right there in front of us. I have commanded you to go therefore, right? right. I have commanded it. You got to teach others though. To do the same thing, to teach them to go baptize, etc. Right? So, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Someone say amen. amen. So that's the basis of our understanding of baptism. That is the foundational scripture. Jesus himself talking to his disciples, telling them they must be baptized. It is a command. Go therefore and baptize them. So we can see that he continues on. 
I'm going to read this in Young's literal translation because this is very important. I'm going to go back real quick. I want you to notice that it says, in the name of Jesus. Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. I want you to notice that in right there, okay? Because I want to show you what study does for you very quickly. I'm going to go to the Young's literal translation, which is a, uh, it's, they take and literally translate the Greek here. So what we're reading is the literal translation with no, no editing, right? Um, and and you can see and I and having come near Jesus spoke to them saying give to me was all this is again we're reading in a phonetically as it is is written in the Greek so it's going to sound a little funny at times right give to me was all authority in heaven and on earth the Chukintas will tell you that when they speak in Spanish that the, the concepts are sometimes backwards um, in that than English language. Um, and those concepts uh, are, can you move down one? And those concepts are, uh, are important to recognize in this, this Greek. So he says, here, give to me um, was all authority in heaven and on earth. Having gone, then, disciples all, and then disciple all the nations, baptizing them to, everybody say to. This is what I want to point out to you. The translators in the King James say in. Mm -hmm. Young's literal translation says two. Mm -hmm. so, so the English translation would be more properly into, right? Mm -hmm. So um, this is one of those places where study will give you deeper revelation, right? That you can understand. So two, is there something wrong? Did somebody make No, it's, it's, it's an understanding of language, right? Verse, Greek versus English. So it says, to the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So we were baptized not just in the name, but to the name. And the, the, the purpose and the importance of that is now, now you're in something. Now you're not just not being baptized in a name. You're, you're physically or you're spiritually in that name. You're being baptized into Jesus Christ. And we see that later in Paul's writing, that we are baptized into him. It's very different. If I baptize you in the name of Coca-Cola, right? You're just Coca-Cola is what's being said over you. But if I baptize you into Coca-Cola, I'm now going to pour Coca-Cola all over you. You got it. So the difference is being immersed in something versus being just named by it. So this is the importance of this passage: is that we're not just baptized in a name; we're baptized into that name, the name of Jesus. Someone said, amen. amen. Teaching them to observe all whatsoever I did command you, and lo, I am with you all the days till the full end of the age. Now, I'm going to read it again in the Amplified. Let's look at that, because the Amplified will give you, again, it's an English translation from the literal, and, and you'll see this more plainly. Go then and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So you see the difference in when you're reading in the King James. That's why uh, King James is great. love King James. But there are other translations that give you greater revelation. And this revelation is important because it's not just in something. It's into something. You become a part of it. Right? So when you're just in a name, well, it's been pronounced over you. But when you're being baptized into a name, now you are part and parcel, a part of that name. Right? right? Someone say amen. Mm, yeah. So what do we find in Mark 16? I wanted to kind of show you that for I, I, just to show you the purpose of deep study. Right. To, to have that understanding that you just don't simply read. The Bible says to study 
to show yourself approved, right? So that's why it's important that we study the depth of God's word. Mark 16 and 15, let's get going. And he said to them, go into all the world. This is a very similar passage that he wrote to us, right? This is a very similar passage that we find in Matthew 28, 19. He says, go unto what? All the world and preach the gospel to what? Every creature. And then he says, he who believes, everybody say believes, believes. but shall have faith. Have faith. Not faith that says, boy, I hope they do well. But faith that says, I'm going to get up and help. I'm going to do a part. I'm going to be a part. It's an active word. That word believes is a verb. So it's an action word. And is baptized. Everybody say baptized. baptized. Will be saved. Everybody shout, they will be saved. Will be saved. So Jesus is saying, I want you to go. Again, it's a command. Right? Right? You must believe, you must be baptized, you will be saved. But he that does not believe. So we know that if you don't have faith and you're baptized, you're not unto salvation. That's why I, I take time to ask people, why are you being baptized? Because they need to profess, not by my words or their aunt or uncles or moms or dads or grandma and grandpas, but they need to have an understanding who Jesus is and if they believe in him and that he is the one forgiving their sins. So it's very important. So, but he that does not believe will be condemned. It does not say he that does not baptized, right? right? right. So, understand the importance of that believing. So, let's keep going, right? This is a familiar story from last week. This is Nicodemus, right? Very important passage for us to learn, view how Jesus interacted. Um, and Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus uh, answered, what did he answer? Most assuredly, I say unto you, unless one is born of what? Water and the Spirit. Notice the capital S in this passage. It's not spirit as just into a spirit relationship or into a spirit realm. It's into the Holy Spirit. That's what that is referencing. And you mind opening that door? You're going to have to pull that wood out, I think. It may not open, though. I forgot. But it just is so hot in here. Is it hot in here to you? Um, it's very stuffy in here, but I have a wool thing uh, or a, yeah, that's good. Yeah, just a little bit, just so air. Uh, sorry for those online, brother Dan. So sorry. Um, uh, so he said, to you, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot listen carefully. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God, right? Uh, listening to a podcast uh, um, the other day, um, I, I heard a, a very very smart man, a uh, very good man, um, uh, say these words. He said, we do not believe that baptism is something that is necessary for your salvation, but we do believe that if you're not baptized, you are out of God's will. Hello. And I had to rewind it and listen again. What, what, say that again. We don't believe. <laughs> so the confusion with their own hearts is they're saying, so my question is, how can you be out of God's will and be saved? How can you not, you know, it's, there's a double entendre here. And a lot of it is verbiage. I want you to recognize a lot of people you talk to about baptism, about uh, the difference in belief systems is verbiage. Yeah. It, it really is. It really comes down to how we communicate. Mm. I can go to Mexico City and communicate in such a way that I can get pretty much what I want, but I may not get the flavor I wanted or the type of... Henry can go and communicate readily and get precisely what he wants because he has the same language understanding that they do 
or somewhat same. Uh, Colombian, Spanish, and in, in, in Mexican Spanish is just a little different. But my point is, they have a baseline, right? right. I'm English. I don't understand. Hola, Taco Bell. You know, I, I know those Spanish words. Um, but um, these are a place where there's familiarity that I can get. I can point. I can, you know, I can motion. But Brother Henry can speak quickly. And sometimes when you enter into people's worlds, their verbiage, it doesn't mean they're, 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 they're crazy or they're... I, I said this on my face. I'm gonna say it again. Remember, you got to follow the crucified Christ and not the American Jesus. Right. Right. I know I caused a lot of. It's funny because I only had about 18 people like that particular post. I had the previous post about being silent with God. I had 80 people agree with me. <laughs> yeah, 18 people like, I'm not sure I want to live by that one. You know why? Because we love our Westernized Jesus. We love our belief systems. We love how we think. Jesus said he came to the what? The whole world. The gospel was for every nation, kindred, kind, and tongue. Right. So we have to recognize there's sometimes we enter into people's lives and their verbiage is just, we don't understand, they don't understand us. Mm. Take time. Everybody say, take time. Take That's time. what Philip did with the Ethiopian unit. He took time. He sat with him. He rode with him. He talked to him. He expounded the word of God so that what? So that everybody could have the same understanding. And when he found out, he said, here's water, what doth hinder? Right? By the way, it was the Ethiopian eunuch that said, here's water. Not Philip. Philip didn't pressure him to baptism. Philip spoke the word of truth and God brought conviction upon mm -hmm. him to be baptized. Mm -hmm. Do you hear me? Amen. It's very important in our life that we don't... Uh, Put people off by our verbiage. Listen. Take time to listen and hear them. Ask pertinent questions. Because a lot of people just simply don't know. Everybody say they don't know. They don't know. They don't know. So what? that's why God said go make disciples. That's right. what we're supposed to be doing. That's why we're on this planet. That's what I want to equip you with. If you're not making disciples, then what are you doing? Right. I'm, I'm going to be hard about this. So anyway, most assuredly I say you must be born again of the water and the spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is what? Flesh and that which is born of the spirit is what? Yeah. Spirit. Is everybody cold now? Yes. Oh, shut the door. Um, um, do not marvel that I say. Listen, Jesus said. Everybody shout Jesus said. Jesus. Do not marvel that I say you must be born again. Do a word study in the Greek. The word must there literally means you got to do it. It's a must. It means the same thing here. So, let's keep going. Romans chapter 6 and verse 1. Oh, we love Romans chapter 6. Yes. Romans chapter 6 is really the, uh, a, a foundational passage that you must, if you're going to witness to people about Jesus, you need to know why. And they say, why do I need to be baptized? Well, here's, here, here's going to be a revelation for you, right? What shall we then say? Paul writes, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Everybody say what? God Me and Nan had this amazing, enlightening, we had this amazing talk about grace and mercy and how, uh, how the, it, it just was a beautiful time that we talked and, and we just really got together. We felt the Holy Ghost. It was wonderful. Um, this passage is so full that it, it's a study into itself, right? But I'm not going to stop it, make ready, you know, certainly, right? Not, he says, how shall we who what? Died to sin, live any longer therein. So how do we know we died to sin? What is the evidence that you're dead? What is the evidence for others to see that you have died? This is what he says. And do you not know that so many of us were what? Baptized, very important word, into Christ. 
not just in the name of Christ, into. We are now part and parcel, a part of him. Amen. We were baptized into Christ Jesus. We're baptized where? Into his death. How do we know we're dead? Being baptized into him. How do we know that sin is not alive and well and working in our lives? The act of baptism allows us to see the fulfillment of this. Watch. Therefore, we were what? Buried. Buried. So this answers several questions. Do I need to be immersed? Do I need to go? I don't know, we, I don't know about you, but I, I've, I've you know, buried some dead things before, and you do not want to sprinkle them. You want to really bury them. You want to bury them deep so the animals won't get them. And so other, You want to bury your sins deep so it doesn't get reminded every day. Remember, Jesus said, as far as the east is from the west, I'm going to take away your sin. Your sin is no longer. Listen, I said this, I'm going to say it again. God chooses to forget your sin. Is God capable of remembering everything? Yes. Is he everywhere at all times? Is yes. he omnipresent? Omnipre all those things? Yes. But in his covenant with you through baptism, mm -hmm. he chooses to forget your sins. That's yeah. powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. That's overwhelming. So therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was what? Raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so shall what? We also should walk in where? Newness of life. And then verse 5 is such, it's, it's the essence of what, why it's a command to be baptized. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Here's the translation. If I'm not buried with him, I can't raise with him. If I'm not in the likeness of his death, then I can't be in the likeness of his resurrection. Mm -hmm. So when you see this as a complete picture of what baptism was about, baptism is not about public confession, although there are wonderful benefits of people seeing that you are saved. But that's not the command of the scripture. The command of the scripture is go and do this. And why you're doing this is for this very reason, so that when you are buried with me, you can rise with me. Because if you're not buried with me, you cannot rise with me. And that is a serious reason to understand the command of baptism. Mm -hmm. So we can go on in Acts 2.38, what we read, Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be what? Baptized in the what? Name of Jesus Christ for the what? Remission. Why are we baptized? Why are we baptized? We're baptized for the remission. Thank you, Brother Wally. Remission. The word remission here means eradication. If you study that word out, the word remission comes from the root word of to eradicate. When you eradicate something, nothing is left. Amen. When you eradicate something, nothing, no, there's no residue. There's no anything. It's eradicated. It's done. It's over. Right? I don't know about you, but I, I have weeds in the driveway. I hate just spraying them. I don't like to watch them die. I want to go out there and dig them up. Right? I want to get. I want to eradicate the fact that they can never come back because I pull them up by the root. Right? I still spray the stuff so I don't want their seeds to get and grow. Right? But the point is, there's an eradication of your sins that Jesus brings to your heart when you obey the command to be baptized. So why am I baptized? Number one. I'm going to be baptized because I am acting out his burial and his resurrection by faith. When I am buried with him, I will raise with him. 
Secondly, it's because my sins are not just pushed up or pushed away. They are eradicated. They are completed. They are done. I am truly becoming a new creature in Christ. Because when God looks over heaven's portal at me, he doesn't see my past. He sees only my future. That's the power of baptism. Mm. Acts 8, right? There were so many times. The reason I'm going to go through these very quickly, and again, I'm not going to, to hang out um, but the reason we're going to go through these is because I want you to understand that it's not just in Acts 2.38 that we find this command, right. Right? right? It's the consistency of this command throughout the book of Acts and into the epistles you will find as well. Right. We find in Acts 8, familiar passages, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to be... Interestingly enough, I want you to notice people that want to argue about the, 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 the order in which things happen in the book. What does Acts say? Acts says what? Repent and be baptized and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Well, here it says something differently. It shows us, um, it shows us that, that they, they, were, they prayed to receive the Holy Spirit first. And then... For it had not fallen upon them, and they, had, and, and they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. So when we look at this, this baptism in the name of the Lord, I want you to notice it's in the name of the Lord Jesus again. Right? I also want you to notice that it's something that happened in, in a different place besides Jerusalem. I want you to notice that it happened after the day of Pentecost. It was something that was a continuation. Uh, and, and then in Acts 10, 46, we find, For they heard them speak with tongues and magnified God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water? Right? And, and, these should not be, and, and sh that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. And he commanded, everybody say commanded them. Amen. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Listen, uh, in Acts 10, Acts 8, we're going to read in Acts 19, in Acts 2.38, in Acts 1. Every time we see there was an outpouring. Remember, water and what? Spirit. Water and spirit. So we find that they had to be baptized. Not only, um, we can find in, in, um, uh, in Hebrews 6, talking about baptisms, about the doctrine of baptisms, right? That you study that out, and it's talking about the baptisms of what? The baptisms of the Holy Ghost and of water, right? So that, that word baptisms is in the doctrine of baptisms. Let's just see that we are baptized both by water and spirit. Someone say amen. 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 So what happens? Paul uh, in Acts 19, then John said, Indeed, John baptized. By the way, when they greeted them, they, the Bible says they were believers. But say they were believers. They, were believers. they already had faith that Jesus Christ was, was the King of kings and Lord. They already had faith. John had told them to look for another. They already had faith. They were believers. And listen to me very carefully. Too many times we approach believers of Jesus in ways that become negative because they have not been baptized as we know they should be. But you cannot antagonize someone and evangelize them at the same time. You cannot show them the furtherance of God's truth without... Right? So what happened? They walked beside them. They didn't criticize them or tell them they were wrong. They partnered with the Christ they already knew right. and brought them to a deeper walk in faith. Amen. I don't see anybody, listen to me carefully, and there's going to be many that disagree with me. I don't see people as lost without God. I see them as on a journey with Jesus. When they profess God, when they profess faith, 
they have begun the act of believing in faith. And that's been ignited. There's been a trigger set off in their heart. And when they're seeking God, he, they will find him. But if we are standing there with a hammer and a sickle, then they're not going to have a hard time finding them, right, without a head. Um, so we have got to walk by faith and not by sight. We've got to walk in the grace that God has given us. How many here tonight can attest that God's been very patient with you in your Christian walk? How many believe that God has shown you mercy you did not deserve and grace that you did not buy, right? That he was the only one that purchased. So we've got to extend that, that wonderful, amazing grace. It's not about defending God. Listen, God doesn't need defending. Jesus doesn't need you to defend him. He knows he's one. Right? Walk beside them until you are able to profess or give them more revelation of who he is and what he is and what baptism can do for them. Amen? Amen. It's very, very important. So what are we talking about? So it says, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance. Amen? Baptist said to repent and be baptized. John knew what Jesus had told him to do. By the way, John was one of the greatest men that ever walked in shoe leather, Jesus said. Right? So we know that he was in the will of God, he was in the way of God, he was in the timing of God. But he still did not baptize them in the name that was above every name. You hear what I just said? Mm -hmm. But that does not mean they were not baptized unto faith. They were believers. So we have, we have a duty to act like Jesus, to do things like Jesus, to allow process to come to their hearts and their lives. We become very impatient. I know as pastor... I, I, I want people to just get it all right now, man. Just, that's not the way God works. That's not the way God works on the hearts of people. So let's keep going. Uh, and they should believe on him who has come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were, what? Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we understand very quickly that throughout these passages, there was a constant command. Everybody say command. command. There, was a, there was a formula by which it should be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody say amen. amen. And there was a process. Everybody say process. process. That God allowed them to walk by. We know that Philip was transposed to the desert for an Ethiopian eunuch so that God could reveal to him the greater truth of what he was trying to reveal through the scripture. And when it was revealed, the Ethiopian said, here is water, what doth hinder? Understand tonight that God has called us all, right, to places of evangelism that we're supposed to go. I hope you're bringing somebody to God's house, that you'll be a part of somebody's life, but not just once, that you will take someone. And you know what? I, 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 don't bring them to church. Take them to a table and talk to them about Jesus. Right, right, right. Because church doesn't save them, guys. Mm -hmm. Jesus saves them. Mm -hmm. Church is a great place to come and celebrate that salvation, mm -hmm. to discover greater that salvation. Mm -hmm. But truly, I know I'm burning up. But, uh, but we are in a place of, of understanding that God has called us to this. Everybody say, I'm called to be an evangelist. Called to be an evangelist. <laughs> That's right. Every one of you are able ministers of the gospel. Every one of us are called to go forth and make what? disciples of Jesus Christ. So, let's look at Ephesians 4 and verse 4. The Bible says there is one body. Everybody say one body. One body. How many believe there's one body? Amen. Right? God is, is, is not a twin. God, the church is not, uh, he's not a polygamist. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Uh, God is, 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 he is the body of Christ. Right. Now, again, I, I want to just tell you that 
when we get to heaven, the body of Christ is going to look very differently, I am very sure of, than what we think it should look like. Because God, God is not producing his body or his bride as we think it ought to be done. He's doing it as he sees fit. So there are going to be people that I, I pray it's true that when they, we get to heaven, we go, and you made it to heaven? We better not be thinking that or we're not going to be in heaven, right? <laughs> right? Uh, but I'm, I'm telling you right now, if Jesus can save Rahab the harlot, then he can save anybody he wants. If, da if, if David of old can be saved when he was a, a, a philanderer and he was a, an adulterer and he was a murderer, and he was, I mean, God, if God can save David, he can save us all. And David was a man after God's own heart. So recognize that. So there is one body and one spirit. Everybody say one spirit. One, one spirit. spirit. Just as you were called into one hope of your calling. And then he says, one Lord, one of the most um, uh, wonderful quotes of the scripture right here. One Lord. Everybody say one Lord. One, one Lord. Lord. One faith. One faith. Everybody shout one baptism. One baptism. So what does that mean? One Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? What it means is exactly what it says. There's only one. So while I am not anyone, say I'm not anyone's judge. I allow the word of God to judge, right? And that means I have to reveal truth. There are truths that I know that there are certain people I cannot speak to because they are not ready. The all the other work of the field has not been done. So I don't hit them with the hard truth. I would, like Jesus, walk beside them. Jesus told his disciples, if you don't repent, you can't be saved. Later down, if you don't, if you don't repent and you're baptized, you won't be saved. He walked them through the process of helping them to learn. Remember, these were Jews trying to figure out, what do you mean by being saved? I want you to understand, they were confused because they were used to shoving their sins up for another year, right? They didn't have the concept of salvation. They had no idea what grace and mercy really was because there was no concept of that in the law. You had to go. You had to sacrifice. It was dependent on your works, not the work of Christ. But when Christ came, his work became the work of salvation. And no longer do we have to go to the temple and offer bull, the blood of bulls and goats, Right? So in your life, you have to understand that there's only one. Everybody shout, there's only one. And this is where we don't like. So, Pastor, do you mean to tell me that all those other places or people are lost? No, no, no. You didn't hear me. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. And what they do between them and God is between them and God. I know what I'm going to preach from the pulpit of Pineview Church. I know what I'm going to espouse in my Bible studies. You know what? It's going to be the truth of God's word and the entirety of God's word. Not paraphrases, not things that are catchphrases in the Christian world, but rather what does thus saith the word of the Lord. Amen. So we're going to move not according to our feelings, but by the faith that God has given us. So we know there's one Lord, one faith, and one baptism, and one God. Now, I'm not going I'm not going to get off into this tonight. And <laughs> that there's one Lord, but there's also one God. Okay. It doesn't say that. I know. Okay. Just want to stay here in the scripture here just, <laughs> just trying to stay in the book. Just trying to stay in the book, brother. One God and what? Father of all. 
So we know that one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Then he talks about being, there's one God and Father of us all, who is above all and through all and in you all. How many are thankful that God is in you? Amen. What's his name? Jesus. Because that's the only name by which we'll ever know the Father. That's the only name by which we will know the Son. That is the only name by which we will know the Holy Spirit. And yes, we find ourselves in this moment understanding that baptism must happen in that name because that's the command of the scriptures. It's not the might, maybe it's the command of the scriptures. Someone say amen. amen. Am I helping anybody tonight? Yeah. Uh, yes, in Jesus' name. So we go and it says this, what? Galatians 3 and 26. Let's read this. So the Bible says, for you are all, I bet you all. Oh. Yes. Who was he talking to here? Everyone. Well, he was talking to everyone, right? But he was talking to everybody that was in the church. So one of the things that you should always reflect on, and I was, you're not wrong, right? But I want you to reflect on something is that when we read passages, we must always ask ourselves, who's this being written to, right? Mm -hmm. I read to you. Right? Jesus was talking to Nicodemus specifically. So that entire chapter was devoted to the words to Nicodemus, who was what? A Jew, who was a ruler. Right. So the, it was very specific. We can extrapolate the truths of that word, but truly the first hearer of that word was Nicodemus. The same was true when we find that Paul writes and says, I would that Israel would be saved. Right In Hebrews chapter 6. He's, talk, he's speaking to us, talking about, I want, this is for Israel, right? You happen to listen in and glean from it. But I'm talking about Israel being saved. And he goes on and on about they, the, I don't think it's, I don't, it's not Hebrews chapter 6, it's another passage. Um, um, but it's in my mind, Hebrews chapter 6. Brother Carl, we talked about Hebrews chapter 6 all week. And I said to Nan, oh, would Brother Carl love to be here right now? <laughs> um, for you are all sons of God, How? We're almost done. How? Through faith. Everybody shout through faith. Through faith. In Christ Jesus. For as many of you were, what? Baptized into Christ. Have what? Put on Christ. Why do I want to be baptized? Because I want to put Christ on. I want to put him on. I want to put him on. I want to put him on. I am baptized by the command of of Jesus. I am baptized by the immersion of burying with him. I am baptized in the formula that says there's only one name and his name is Jesus. The Lord Jesus. Everybody say Lord Jesus Christ. And what does it do for me? Well, guess what? I have remission of sins. My sins are gone. I'm a new creature in Christ. I am a new creature in Christ. And not only am I a new creature in Christ, but now I have a promise that when I'm buried with him, that I will rise with him in the last day. And I have a third thing that says when I'm baptized, I just I, I get this big, big blanket that says Jesus Christ on it. And I get to be baptized in him, but also I get to put him on. He is my buckler and my shield, my strong tower. He is my oh, faithful friend. He is my doctor, my lawyer. He gives me promise that I don't deserve and mercy that I can't earn. He gives me grace to live in. He gives me the ability to see the future through his grace and his mercy that I am a son of God, a child of God. And while I'm not, I'm not like saying I'm saved, but I am saved. I'm not saved by my works, but I'm saved by the works of righteousness that he has done. My work is as filthy 
rags. And when I recognize that, I am more empowered to say, I am saved by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ through the waters of baptism, through the infilling of the Holy Spirit, speaking with other tongues. Next week, you do not want to miss us talking about the baptism of the Spirit of God Amen. in your life. Amen. Next week, we're going to talk about this great evidence and by the way, there's more evidence to God living in you. There's more evidence to the Holy Spirit than just tongues. Yeah. As Pentecostals, we love tongues because we operate in them freely. But there are so many other signs that you must have in your life. Yes. Amen. You must have in your life. And we're going to talk about those other signs. So, yes, speaking other tongues is one of those signs as a gift, right? But there is an absolute to you must have what the fruit of the Spirit operating in your life. You've got to have peace, love, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Huh? Someone shout amen. amen. So it's not enough just to go and check the boxes. We're again, we are on a journey. People that check boxes are sad. I pity them. Because salvation is so hard for them. They do it out of scratching and clawing when I get to put him on and cuddle up with him. He's just my friend. He's my neighbor. He's my, he's my everything. I'm not scratching and crawling for, for this because I get to put him on. And people that are only baptized because they're told to or their grandmother wants them to or they think it's the right thing to do to be a, ch a church member, I pity them because they're not putting Jesus on. Because to put Jesus on, you've got to believe. And believing means that you truly, truly believe that he is the Son of God. And that he is not just another man, but he was divine. Amen. Amen. Sister Roseanne? Pastor, can you clarify something for me? Sure, I'll do my best. So, we talk about baptism as being the remission and the eradication of sin. Yes, ma'am. But that was the remission and eradication of everything that you did prior to baptism. Is that not correct? That's it's partially not, correct. That's not like a future insurance policy? No, it's unequivocal. We don't believe, nor does the scripture bear out, that once you're saved, you're always saved. Right. So in our, in, I don't know what week, but some week, we're going to talk about the continuing in the faith, continuing in baptism, continuing in salvation, being saved by grace. What does that mean? The continuum, that word saved is an ongoing thing. Right? Grace is an ongoing thing in my life, right? Something I must walk in every day, something I must recognize every day, but through repentance and through my uh, humil uh, being humbled before the Lord and putting myself under the mighty hand of God. So that will come, right? We'll talk about that. But yes, so you're, you're correct in the fact that it is for all sin that was behind me. But it is also the, the, the covenant that's within that baptism is saying that when you do sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. As long as you repent. Of course. Repentance is, the, is, is always. Now, I've used this you know, illustration before, and um, this is what me and Nan were talking about, about this idea of mercy and grace, and about how that we, we confuse the two. And I've, talked to, I've taught lessons about this, and about how we, we can confuse them, especially when it comes to this idea of forgiveness, right? That um, and there is a, 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 a thought in the, uh, you know, in the theological world that says that we are saved and never have to be saved again, that, that we predestined, right? They use scriptures out of context to, to bring about that Calvinistic view of predestination and that I can do whatever I want because that's what God intended. 
it's it's it goes against all the other passages and all the other concepts of God, right? When it comes to sin. So we reject that, not by our own basis, that we would actually love to receive that because that means it would be much more better for our flesh and that would be much more pleasurable for us and we could do anything we want and still be saved. Gee, who wouldn't want to believe that, right? But it's false doctrine, right? It's not truth, right? So we reject that based on the Word of God, not our Word, not our ideas, but on the Word of God. And, and that's important that you reject those. But when you recognize that when salvation comes to you, that you are in the palm of God's hand. In fact, one passage says that, it, it, that the devil can't take you out, right? I'm paraphrasing. Right. The devil can't take you out <laughs> unless you take yourself out. You're the only one that can make you, un, you know, take yourself out of the palm and the protection of God. How do we do that? By leaving the grace of God. Paul said, my grace is, Paul said, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient. A messenger from Satan came. Thrice, right? Now, we're hearing about this thrice, but I'm going to tell you, this was like 3,000 probably, right? Thrice, Paul said, recorded, I said, please let this let this be removed from me. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient. He didn't say his mercy was sufficient. Because mercy is what Paul needed on the road to Damascus. Right. Paul needed that because he was a zealot for the wrong thing. He was a sinner Paul needed God's mercy when he was being struck blind because God couldn't get his attention, right? When he went to the street called straight and was converted and things happened in his life and he was, sight was restored, he was renewed in hope and he received the gift and the power of the Holy Spirit. He was baptized. All those things that we talk about. Now he's a new creature. Now when Satan buffets him, when Satan, the messenger of Satan comes and puts a thorn in him, Right? This was not his eyes. Satan doesn't bring, the messenger of Satan brings sin and sin alone. Right. So, uh, theologically, we have to step back and say, well, what did he need? Did he need, no, he was saved. He was in a place of salvation. He was walking with God, trying to pursue God in the righteous ways that he could, right? But he still fell short. That's why we read in Romans chapter 7, when I want to do good, evil is present. When, you, know, I, you know, I see in, a, in my body there's a war, a war of the spirit against the flesh, flesh against the spirit. Paul plays that out for us in Romans chapter 7 because it helps us to understand God's grace being sufficient for him. He says in Romans chapter 7, he says, in my members I see sin, but in my mind I serve God. The difference is, is understanding that when I'm walking in grace, right, when I'm walking in grace, I'm going to find forgiveness that I didn't even know I was being forgiven for because he covers me until the point of repentance. Now, I want you to settle with that for a second. I, I, I am walking in the, the grace of Jesus Christ. So as long as I'm pursuing him, righteousness, love, joy, peace, and the Holy Ghost, as long as I'm pursuing him, he says, my grace is sufficient. The minute I lay that umbrella of grace down and say, no, I'm going to continue in sin. Right. He says, whoa, you can't continue. I'm not with you. Now you're outside of the bounds of grace. Right. You have fallen from grace, right? Um, you need to what? Reapply the blood of Christ from the cross. You need to re... doesn't mean you can't get back in grace because his, his grace is for you. He wants you to live there. But you can choose to walk out of his grace and be lost. Mm -hmm. And you have to have mercy to be reapplied to your life. In in Romans or in uh, mm -hmm. Hebrews, in Hebrews, um, 
um, let's get it out. For in Hebrews, uh, what six? Yeah. I was reading. Oh yeah, Nan and I were talking about something. Um, it's it's so powerful, right? This picture of what you're talking about in Hebrews chapter six. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings, right? We know about Christ and taking forward the maturity and not laying on the foundation of repentance. In other words, he's saying. Stop building foundations all your life. You're only, all you've done is build a house. Right. Not just a foundation. Right. Paul's not saying don't build a foundation. A lot of people mis misconstrue this. He's not saying don't make sure your foundation's sure, your foundation is, is right. He's just simply saying you've got to quit building a foundation at some point. All you have is a giant foundation. Right. And by the way, you, you go back to a foundation... Our brother, Aaron, who lays bricks, he'll tell you that if you leave a foundation for a long time, that, 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 that you got to go back and repair it. It's not good. You can't build on it as well, right? Because there's, there's weather and all kinds of stuff that might have happened. Uh, there is, there is, and so he goes on, and he says um, that I need Nan's face ID. Uh, he says, he says, uh, uh, repentance uh, from acts that lead to death and faith in God, instruction about clean, uh, cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, the eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. Right? God permitting, we're gonna we're gonna quit building foundation at some point. Now, doesn't mean we shouldn't build foundation. No, but you're you're a mature. He's talking to those that are in church that are filled with God's spirit that should know better. Right? Yeah. He's talking to the, the, the church of Hebrews, here in Hebrews. You should know the stuff. You should know it. So why, why do we have to go back? One of the things I'm so frustrated about right now is the pandemic has stole so many people's knowledge. I don't know why, but I'm not lying. It's been so, it's been weird. It's been a reset. That's a great word, Brother Wally. And, and I'm learning right now that I have to sit and say, do you know what it takes to be saved? Do you know what the Word of God says about that? You know, they have these questions about this, that, or other, things in the news, things, uh, issues, stuff in our world, stuff in our country, stuff in our area. And, and I say, well, but you should know that. I feel like Jesus talking to Nicodemus, and you are a teacher of the Jews? And you don't know this? Right? And, and, and that's, you know, where we're finding ourselves in this hour. And this is, I'm not lying, people have ever... People of great faith, great men and women of, of faith and of God have lost their way when it comes to the Word of God. And it's frightening to me um, because I, what did Paul say? That I might preach the Word and, 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 and find everybody else being saved and I'm not saved myself, you know? You know, I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. Am I going to do all this and then be lost? It's it's sad, but it's true. So how do we stay in the Word? Well, you stay in the Word. Quit preaching social gospel. Quit preaching stuff out there that, that doesn't save souls. This is about the lost. And that's where we get lost from. We get caught up in the environment that we're living, in the hour. And it's an evil hour, but we get up caught in fighting evil instead of fighting sin. What's the difference, Pastor? The difference is I'm talking to people about changing their sin to salvation versus fighting evil. I'm just out there yelling and screaming that evil's bad. It's not time to yell and scream. It's time to enlighten people, yeah, right? right? This is what it says. Right. It's impossible for those who have once been enlightened. Mm. Huh. This is a hard passage. Yeah. Mm. Right? 
who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the power of the coming age, and who have fallen away. Who have fallen away. I told me and Nan were talking about this. This is so powerful. The difference between falling and fall in. You know, when you were you said this many times, you also said it that an idle mind is the devil's playground. About boredom. And the pandemic created an environment. Yes, it did. The devil is saying, "Hey, look at that mind. It's it's uh." It's bored. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Boredom has caused so much, but let me get back to what the difference between falling and falling. That's good. That's really good. And this is where grace is. So many think, think that we have fallen. I'm sorry to tell you, but 99% of the people I meet have not fallen. They have not completed the fall. Yes. They have not completed the process. They're not because... Uh, how many have caught a child while they were falling down a step or off the edge of a seat? Or you caught them as they were falling, and that's what our oh, <laughs> that's what grace does for us. He catches us in that moment. That's what grace does. We need mercy when we have fallen, when we have completed the process, and we've rejected God. But grace comes. And it watches over us like a mother over a brood of uh, a, a mother hen over a brood of chicks. It watches over us. Why? Because when we are falling, he catches us. Because of our declaration, because of our hearts, mm -hmm. and he knows our hearts. So when we when we complete the process of fall in, fall, I've fallen, I'm done, I, I'm hit the, I'm done, I'm quit, I'm over, I've rejected God, I've rejected. When we have fallen, when we continue in sin, right, right. Then God still loves us. His mercy reaches for us. It pleads with us. It's like the father on the front porch and the prodigal son. He's waiting for you to turn. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong in this place. He's waiting for you. But you have to recognize it's those that have fallen, not that are falling. In our lives, it's the grace of God that catches us when we're falling. And it's his mercy that brings us back to the fold. That sheep, right? That sheep, that 99 and 1. That one that needs that mercy. The others are living by grace. But there's one always, right? Does that make them any less? No. It makes them, it makes them being, being separated from God during that fall-in moment. Yes. If God were to come back, they would have to get an account for all that they knew. It would be impossible for them to be saved for all the things that they've been touched in the Holy Ghost, been filled with the Spirit. They have seen miracle signs and wonders, and you reject God after that? It's as if you've crucified Him over again, the Scripture says. Right? So that act of falling or falling is very important to our understanding of what grace is in our life. Right? Grace is not to pass, go to, you know, get a free car or whatever. Grace is something that we live in in order to be saved. When we cannot know what's around the corner, Christ knows, right? Mm -hmm. He protects and keeps us. It does, shall we continue? When God reveals sin to us, if we continue, not in, not in condemnation, but in conviction, if we continue, then we are fallen. Mm -hmm. But if we'll heed his voice, he will catch us while we are falling. Isn't that good? Yeah. It's so powerful to recognize 
how much Jesus loves us. He provides us a way of escape. Someone shout amen. 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 Nan, come turn this off for our online viewers. I'm so thankful that you were here. We're going to have this as a podcast here pretty soon. You'll be able to tune into that. I pray that God blesses you. And then I hope that you find a place of baptism. If you've never been baptized, contact me right here on Facebook. And I would love to walk you, talk to you, show you how God wants to fill you with the Spirit and help you to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you.